0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Portland, Maine. Welcome to the show, David Holman.
1: Thanks, Victor. Thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you here. And you're based in Portland, Maine. It's a town that I love. I spent a lot of time there. I grew up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, not very far from Portland, Maine. And believe it or not, at one point, even had an office in Portland, Maine. We ended up acquiring a company. It was spun out of the National Semiconductor and Fairchild Semiconductor Factory that's based next to the airport. So I spent a lot of time in Portland. It's a beautiful town with a lovely culture. How long have you been there?
1: Uh, Well, most of my whole life. I spent four years in Minnesota for college and then four years in Bolivia, uh, where I met my wife and we started a chain of
0: camping stores. Fantastic. Well, your journey into real estate was multifaceted. We're going to focus on one item that we've not focused on on the show before. But before we do, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey?
1: Sure. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, grew up in in small town uh, north of Portland called North Yarmouth, Maine. Uh, Maine's the greatest place, you know, on the planet, as we all know, but I don't want to let the secret out too early. So, and then didn't have anything to do with real estate in my early life. You know, I, I spent four years down in Bolivia after college starting a chain of uh, camping stores and Realized I, I needed to learn how to be an entrepreneur a little more formally, so I uh, did an MBA, and after that, I went into nonprofit fundraising, and it was right around when my wife got pregnant with our first child that I realized that the lucrative nonprofit track that I was on wasn't going to be profitable enough to uh, live the kind of lifestyle we wanted and, and to give back to other people you know, in a monetary sense, like a lot of the donors that I was working with could. And I had some experience with stock investing, which was not going to make me wealthy and was a little bit too akin to gambling for my likes. So started learning about real estate. And the more I learned, the more I loved it. I just dove in, started listening to podcasts like yours, reading every book I could get my hands on, and then uh, partnered uh, with family to do a single family house. Uh, did another, bought a three-unit building on my own and pretty quickly built up a portfolio of over 30 units while I was working full-time for Bowdoin College and fundraising and was able to make a transition to becoming a full-time real estate professional. So I'm a commercial broker here in Maine and I own a property management company that I started with my best friend from the MBA program and, uh, and now doing syndications of apartment and mixed-use buildings in the downtowns around Portland. So we're now in our third syndication.
0: I love that. This is something we hear so often. People just get started organically, starting with one unit, then two. You're working in your business day in, day out, not necessarily adding large 200 unit properties at a time, but building five, 10 units at a time.
1: That's exactly right. And Maine has probably four of those to choose from. So in any given year in our area, you might have one or two uh, complexes that are more than 100 units come on the market. And Big for Maine is is twenty to forty fifty units. So, and I'm a proponent of growing organically, like you said, crawl before you walk. The history of the Patagonia, you know, apparel company is a great example of that, where they actually had a lot of opportunities to grow exponentially in size and turn them down in favor of organic growth, which serve them very well when there's a downturn because they have a very firm base support to grow from. So that's how we are. You know, my first two syndications were right around a million dollars. And now we're doing a little bit north of 3 million. So we're we're still small, uh, you know, when you look at the national level, but you adapt to your own surroundings and environment.
0: You started off earlier in your career working with nonprofits. And somehow that translated directly into working with immigrant families. How did that happen?
1: Sure, that's a great question. So Maine has been pretty welcoming to immigrants, particularly from different African countries, Uh, Lewiston, Maine and Portland, Maine, both have pretty significant populations, you know, for Wandan Americans, Angolan Americans, Congolese, and people that have come, you know, in the last 20 to 30 years uh, to this country, either as refugees, or as green card diversity visa immigrants. And I was always tangentially aware of that. But uh, in the summer, I believe, of 2019, we had a big influx of uh, immigrants from Africa who had crossed the Mexican border and had heard through the grapevine that Maine was a pretty uh, welcoming place and a pretty good place to start your family uh, with good schools. So they all bust up here. And Portland suddenly had a major crisis on its hands where hundreds and hundreds of people came with nothing but the clothes on their backs and a few belongings and needed, you know, assistance getting started. And so the Portland Expo Center, which is where the Red Claws play their basketball games, was uh, converted into a shelter that summer. And it was it was a big challenge for the state uh, to place and and find, you know, homes for these people. And so as a landlord at that time, I had enough buildings and enough units that we have a turnover every so often. And it just struck me that I wanted to help and I wanted to be part of the solution and see what I could do. So I called up Portland officials and said, if there's any way that these people could pay rent in the future or or something like that, I have a vacant unit and I'd be happy to try they get some donations of beds and furniture, and and see what we can do. Um, and I got passed between a couple officials, and and actually they finally found uh, a family who at that point was actually in a homeless shelter. Uh, they, had, they were not part of the major influx of refugees um, and had come uh, with diversity visas from Rwanda. And many people that do that, they're the doctors, lawyers, engineers, uh, you know, pretty educated folks from that country. And, and these were no exception. So we were able to place them uh, in one of our units. It worked out great. And the city of Portland paid their first month of rent. The city of Brunswick uh, paid the next month of rent. And by the third month, this man had gotten a job. His wife had gotten a job. I got him a job at Bowdoin where I worked because the uh, the you know dining, cleaning, all those kind of services need a lot of help. You know, Maine is the oldest state in the US. Our average age is 42 years old. So we need young people to come and, and do some heavy lifting here. And uh, this is a great fit. So they were paying market rent by the third month. Uh, they have a young child who's entering you know, the same daycare as our kids now. And after that we took another family of Rwandans right across the hall from them, family of Angolans, and we're now on our fifth family over the past year and a half. And we've been really grateful for the opportunity to directly help create what I think is the American dream.
0: I love that. And when we think about immigration, I mean, my goodness, we're all immigrants to this country, whether it's Canada or the US, we're all immigrants or descendants of immigrants. I mean, in my case, My parents came through Ellis Island during the Second World War, but everyone has a story where somewhere in their family tree, there were immigrants. It's one of those topics that's become politicized. It's a little bit polarizing, but we are all immigrants
1: yeah that 's exactly right. I spent a summer uh, living in the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. Uh, made a lot of friends there and, and you know realized there are <laughs> you know the native communities who are not immigrants at least in the same sense you know that many of uh, other populations are and uh, it 's an amazing diversity that we have in our country, uh, but I think it makes us stronger and so my Father's side of the family came through Ellis Island, just like yours. They were, you know, Russian Jews fleeing uh, oppression. In the 1890s, and, and the United States has always been a place where no matter what your religion, your political views, if you are good law buying people and you work hard, you know, you sh- should be able to start a great life here. And that's what I believe and what I think as a real estate professional, as a landlord, that I want to try to help create if I can.
0: I love that. And my observation is that immigrants, they want to work hard. They're not here for a handout. If they've come here as refugees, they're here to escape persecution they're willing to work. In fact, my wife, she runs a clinical family therapy practice and big percentage of her client base are refugees and she helps prepare them for their refugee board hearings. And she just loves the, the values, the ethics, the work ethic that comes with those folks. They are hardworking people and they are the fabric of entrepreneurship. They, they're willing to work. In her case, most of her clients are coming from Nigeria but it's been the same experience, irrespective of which country they came from. They're grateful to be here and they want to contribute.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Victor. I, I've had the fortune, like, well, I haven't traveled as much as you. You know, the 18 trips a year to Tokyo, I can't, I can't match. But um, <laughs> I've had the fortune to travel the world enough. And, you know, I think you probably agree that, you know, when you see all the different societies and cultures, you know, you realize there's this incredible diversity of, of culture. But on the inside, we really are all the same all around the world. So it's it's uplifting to see that. And when uh, we accepted our first Rwandan family, you know, they're hungry. They're hungry to work. You know, he was working night shifts. He works Sundays. He's really excited just for that opportunity, like you said, to live in a society where corruption is not endemic. It's such a breath of fresh air for people to be able to really see, uh, you know, one plus one equal to and not have, you know, one and a half subtracted back from you by bureaucracy or corruption, which I've certainly you know, experienced around in different countries. But our first Rwandan tenant, he uh, saved some money and bought a car uh, for himself before he knew how to drive and had his license. So it was just parked in the lot for a couple months and he would go out, you know, with a local guy that we connected him with to learn how to drive and do lesson after lesson. He finally got his license. So the whole time he had this vanity plate with his name on it, you know, and it was just so cute to see the, the man's car with his own name, sitting there waiting as he got ready to learn how to use it. And now he's giving rides to his neighbors and his kids and uh, really fitting in well.
0: That's such a great story. Well, David, if folks want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, what's the best way?
1: Yeah, uh, two ways. Uh, you can go to holmanhomes.com. So that's H-O-L-M-A-N-H-O-M-E-S.com. Uh, that's my uh, page for real estate syndications and investing. And then we have a property management company uh, here in Maine, uh, Katahdin Property Management. So Mainers will know how to spell that because it's our biggest mountain. It's the northern terminus of the Appalachian Trail, but the other 99% of your audience won't. So it's K-A-T-A-H-D-I-N and the word management.com.
0: Well, that's such a great story. So thank you, David, for sharing the story with us. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to David at katahdinmanagement.com. And if you're a Mainer, you know how to spell it. That's K-A-T-A-H-D-I-N management.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.